0: to the latest edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can follow us on Twitter at Ebony underscore Bird and check out our website at EbonyBird.com, the official fan-sided affiliate of the Baltimore uh, Ravens. Getting into tonight's podcast, coming to you through either iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, contributor Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at mcdonald 95 Breaking down a Ravens 27-10 win over the Cleveland Browns, now coming in at 8-6 and and still in the thick of a wild-card race. Uh, we're going to get into the Browns game. We're going to talk about uh, the Pro Bowl nominations uh, that were literally just announced tonight as we record this podcast on a Tuesday night. We're going to talk about Sam Cook and whether or not he deserves to be the team MVP this season. Of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the ending of the Steelers and Patriots game from Sunday. And then we're also going to go over a dive into the Colts game taking place on Saturday. Again, that's a big tidbit on Saturday, not Sunday this week, but the Ravens uh, Christmas Eve coming up. They'll be playing one of two NFL games on Saturday, the first one being at 4.30, and then the majority of the games taking place on Sunday night. So we'll get into all that later. want to welcome in our two site experts, Chris Schisser at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's. But before we do that, before we break down the Browns game, just some few quick articles you can find on the Ebony Bird app, which is also available. All these are available on our website, but you can download the app from the app store on your mobile device. Uh, for all Apple users. Mike Wallace, a bright spot among struggling wide receiver group by Connor Brooks. Chris had the Ravens. uh, Ravens are running out of ways to miss the playoffs. And then uh, me and Joe kind of broke down the Browns game, five takeaways Joe had, and then I had three big things from the Browns win, of course, getting into that now 27-10. We'll go to Chris and then Joe. Thoughts, you know, defense forcing four turnovers. Uh, Questionable coaching decisions we can get more into. Jeremy Macklin and Carl Davis. Uh, how are we feeling after the Ravens' win coming off that tough Steelers loss on Sunday, getting a rebound against the Browns?
1: I'm happy. It would have taken a lot a lot for me not to be happy in this game. You talk about uh, a divisional opponent. You knew it wasn't going to be ridiculously easy no matter what the record was. We won convincingly. It was really never in question. I mean, there was a moment where the Browns scored and, you know, the whole fourth and goal thing, and we're going to talk about that. But I'm not upset at all. It's hard to be upset when you win 27-10. to 10, And I wasn't really worried for most of the game. And for a Ravens fan, that's something we don't get to feel a lot. So I can't complain. Yes, yeah, so the
2: game the Ravens should have won, and they did. And, and they handled their business as usual. I mean, like Chris said, it was a little close in the first half. But, I mean, when they scored that touchdown for the second half of the uh, pass, if I could do to Ben Watson, and then a couple of touchdowns they had, the second half, I mean, you knew the game was kind of out of reach then, and I mean, Deshaun was who Deshaun Kaiser is, I mean, he's a turnover machine, and threw a couple of bad picks, Brandon Carr had a good bounce back game, the defense as a whole just had a great bounce back game, which is good to have when you play the Browns, but I mean, just confidence booster no matter who you're playing, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really anything to complain about, I mean, a couple of injuries there with Macklin and Carl Davis, uh, Alex Collins had a little bit, was a little bit banged up, but he sat out there um, I think most of the fourth quarter, rightfully so, there's not need to injure him in a game that the Ravens have handled. So, I mean, it's good. It's just the week we thought they were going to win. It's on the, um Indianapolis this week and hopefully finish out the season with two wins in the playoff first.
0: Yeah, of course, as Joe alluded to, Macklin and Carl Davis leaving the game with injuries. And both are announced not to be season-ending, uh, but just kind of a week-to-week thing. But we certainly hope that the Ravens do make the playoffs, both these guys, especially Macklin, be able to get on the field. But, Really, we wanted to talk about him being a disappointment. Um, Really, the Ravens brought him in to be, you know, number one, number two guy, similar to Steve Smith. And really, he has just not been that at all. Even when healthy, he just hasn't shown the same explosiveness we've seen in the past. I mean, we saw it uh, week one in the season when he caught that long touchdown. But other than that, he's really been kind of quiet. And then dealing with all the injuries as well to his back, to his shoulder, now has a, a left knee injury. Really disappointing for him. The production's not there. Doesn't have 500 yards and he's on track to finish with the lowest receiving yards of his career, which really goes to show a lot after him playing in 12 games last year and only racking up 500 yards. It kind of goes to show uh, why the Chiefs got rid of him and why he was available in June. And then another thing we wanted to talk about uh, is the questionable decision. Like we were, we were saying in the second quarter, the Ravens had a first and goal. They ran a risky quarterback option where Flacco got smashed in between really three uh, Cleveland defenders. And then they threw an incomplete pass to Nick Boyle. And then they ran two run plays with Alex Collins, one on the inside one on the outside, getting completely stuffed, refusing to take the field goal and the points, which we have seen come back to haunt the Ravens in the past. Uh, I talked about my Charm City Birdwatch podcast yesterday with my staff writer, Vasilios, about how the Redskins game last year in particular, not taking the points hurt the Ravens. And then you had uh, the Browns march right back down the field five plays later and turn that fourth down stop into points. in in the touchdown, which at the time gave the Browns the lead. I know we we want to hit on these two points, you know, as much good as there was on Sunday. It wasn't all pretty. And we'll go to Joe and then Chris. The Ravens, they can do this against teams like the Browns, but if they get into the playoffs and they're, you know, running fourth and goals and not taking the points, it's going to come back to haunt them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't particularly mad at them going for it on fourth down. I was particularly mad at the play call. I mean, I think the run to the outside to the right was just a really stupid play call. The Browns, have, no matter how bad they've been this year, they've been really good against the run, particularly yards per carry, and I think they're either top I think top five in that category. And just, I just don't know what Marty Morningway was thinking. I mean, at first, the Flacco read option keep. I mean, you're just trying to get him killed. Did you not watch what happened to Carson Wentz when he tried to do that? I mean, Carson Wentz can actually run the ball. Imagine Joe Flacco trying to do that, and he almost – I mean, he could, that could have been a season-ending season injury if he would have gotten hit the wrong way, which is just so stupid. But then they come back with a great draw play with him later in the game, which actually was a really good play call. So, I mean, I'm not particularly mad about them um, going for it on fourth down. It is what it is. And, I mean, you're playing the Browns, so you can afford to do that. I just didn't like the play call. I think you either maybe try to run a play-action pass or at least try to run down the middle again. And then go back to what you said about Macklin, I just, don't, I just don't think it's a good fit in Baltimore. I mean, he's he's kind of coming after um, receivers like Bolden and Steve Smith who are really physical receivers. and I just don't think Macklin's that kind of guy, at least now in his career. It was good to see him get that first catch in the game, and then he immediately goes down with So I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm pretty sure he has the team option um, after this year, so I don't. I can't see him coming back. Honestly, I think if they keep a better wide receiver, it's going to be Mike Wallace. But that's a conversation to have in the offseason, but it just feels like, I mean, he has no connection with Flacco. It just doesn't seem like a good set in Baltimore, and I think he's out after this year.
1: I I like the decision to go for it on fourth and goal. I think if you can't get it on fourth and goal, come on. I don't think there's a lot of risk going for it on fourth and goal. It ended up being a risk here because they scored, but you look at a fourth and goal, I, I almost every time say go for it, uh, especially with the defense we have. It was disappointing that they scored after that, but you take away one big run, this Browns team doesn't do anything, and we could have put the game kind of on ice right there against the winless team. The I don't like the Flacco run, but, you know, I'm not going to crucify them because we keep saying open up the playbook, be creative. Well, he was creative. It was stupid. But, you know, he did exactly what we asked him to. Eh, I mean, it's one of those, it didn't really matter much. It's not that big of a deal.
0: Well, moving on to some news that just came out a couple hours ago, some Pro Bowl nominations. Three Ravens are making the trip to the Pro Bowl this year, all on defense. Terrell Suggs nominated to his seventh Pro Bowl, Eric Weddle to his fifth, and C.J. Mosley to his third. Some snubs, obviously. We could talk about Justin Tucker, Sam Cooke, as really two of the perennial special teams uh, guys in the NFL, which we're going to talk about more, particularly Sam Cooke's performance. So, are you guys shocked by these at all, or were you expecting more out of uh, the Ravens in the Pro Bowl nominations? I mean, fans vote, so it is kind of a crapshoot. But Chris and then Joe, what's your reaction to the Pro Bowl nominations?
1: I like that Eric Weddle got the Pro Bowl nod. Uh, I actually thought he should have gotten one last year. It's good to see him getting recognition. Hard to not give him the Pro Bowl nod, considering he's got the second-most interceptions in the league right now. When you look at uh, the Pro Bowl snubs, though, I Sam Cooks, is probably our MVP, and I mean, I I know Jake, that's something you've been saying for a while, and it's it's a good point. You know, Sam Cooks had a great year; he's putting things inside the twenty like it's nothing, and I I don't understand how Sam Cook couldn't be in there. Morgan Cox is a really good long snapper; I'd like to see him get that recognition. And then another guy that I don't think we're talking about is a Pro Bowl snub. I think Ronnie Stanley deserves some consideration, especially when you consider he's been playing next to uh some no-name left guards. I mean, James Hurst for most of the season, uh and he's holding up his own on the left side. I actually thought when we went for it on fourth down, we should have ran to the left because running behind Ronnie Stanley, to me, is always a good idea. So I think Ronnie Stanley should have gotten in there, but I'm not shocked that he didn't. And I think Sam Cook should have. I get Boswell getting in over Tucker, especially because you know the Ravens' offense was so pitiful for most of the year. We couldn't even set up Tucker. The stats uh, say Boswell right now. I I mean I reluctantly say yeah, that's fine. But Sam Cook should have been in.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm not surprised. I mean good for Weddle, good for. Mosley and Good for Suggs. I mean, the Pro Bowl is just one of those kind of games. I mean, it's like the NBA All Star game when fans vote them in. It doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it's one of those ones where players at the end of their career will have it in their career stats. But I mean, what does Pro Bowl really mean anyway? It's one of those games where you tune into when there's nothing else on TV, and players are tweeting on the sidelines and doing a bunch of other crap. So I mean, I mean, should have cooked, should have Cook and um, Tucker gotten in? Yeah, but I mean, it's not something worth getting worked up about. I mean, I think they're for more. They're going to get asked about it tomorrow and Thursday, and, I mean, they're all just going to be like, we're just looking forward to the playoffs, and I think that's just how their mindset should be. The Bowl doesn't really mean anything in the end.
0: Well, one of the snubs that we all agreed with, and one case that I've been making the second half of the season, particularly on Sunday, is debating whether or not Sam Cook should be the – team's MVP this season. On Sunday, he punted five times, and three of those five times, he pinned the Browns back inside their own five-yard line. It led to a Kaiser interception, a Cleveland punt, and a Ravens touchdown on a strip sack by Zadarius Smith in the end zone that was recovered by Brandon Williams. It uh, really, I mean, Sam Cook's been on the team really since I've started watching. I started watching the Ravens as a full-time fan, literally, um, in 06, which was his rookie year. Been on the team 11, 12 years right now, and has really been one of the more underrated best punters in the NFL and has really made one Pro Bowl in his career. He's really been underrated. But I think this season in particular, he's doing a very good job of pinning opponents back deep, which is exactly what the Ravens need right now, especially in the first half of the season with an offense that wasn't getting it done. So they certainly have really relied on his services. And then you had Chris Moore downing the ball multiple times. And I know the Ravens have one of the best special teams units in the NFL, and it is frustrating how they don't have too many big-name playmakers on their team. Like last year, you could have made the argument that Justin Tucker was a team MVP. And this year, the focus has shifted over to uh, Sam Cook a little bit, which isn't really that surprising because, like Chris said, Tucker hasn't had that many chances, particularly from 50 yards or more. I think he's only had four attempts this season, all good from, from 50 or more yards. But then Joe and then Chris, should Sam Cook be the team MVP this season, in your opinion, and is this a good or a bad thing?
2: I mean, I think he could definitely be team MVP. I mean, he's had a great season so far, 37 punts inside the 20, 16 inside the 10-yard line, and five inside the five-yard line. I mean, he leads two of those three categories, and there's only one behind and the other one. I mean, he's had a great season. I think there's no faulting him for that. And I don't think think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, what are you going to fault the Ravens for having good special teams? I mean, they've always had good special teams. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, obviously the offense has struggled – especially early in the season, which led to a lot of punts. I mean, you can't fault Cook for doing well with the opportunities that he's given. So, I mean, I think you could say that. I think we had mentioned Ronnie Stanley earlier. I think he is just a very underrated target of that, too. I mean, I think he's had a great season. He's been one of those guys that's held up with the Ravens offensive line pretty much being decimated this season um, with a ton of injuries. I think he's done well. I mean, obviously, everyone's going to scream Alex Collins because of the great season he's had, and I can't disagree with that either. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree and say that Sam
1: Cook isn't because he's had such a good season. I I think Sam Cook should have been it. And he's definitely the MVP of this team this year because if you look at it, he's the one player that has consistently done well. I think he had one bad punt in Tennessee other than that. I don't have nothing to gripe about. When you look at Sam uh, Cook, I I don't think I've ever seen a season where he's put so many balls inside the 20 yard line. uh, And I don't think there's been one game other than the Oakland game and maybe the Pittsburgh game where he's punted less than five times. I, he's just, he's a very used player who's doing a great job every time he's called on. So he's the MVP for me. It's not a bad thing, but it's, I mean, you'd like your MVP to be your quarterback or your wide receivers, but that doesn't happen in Baltimore. The punter's the MVP.
0: This is the Ebony Bird Podcast. Again, check us out at ebonybird.com, ebony underscore bird on Twitter, as well as the podcast coming to you through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. I'm Jake McDonald, contributor for Ebony Bird, the official fan-sided affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens, joined by our two site experts, Chris Schistler and Joe Schiller. We would be remiss, this isn't really necessarily a Ravens topic, but it is a relevant topic all around the NFL, and really ever since Sunday at the conclusion of the Steelers and Patriots game, we we haven't really stopped hearing about it. Uh, the end of the game, the Jesse James catch, of course, the Patriots had gotten the lead back, and the Steelers had some time to go down the field. Uh, ben Roethlisberger threw a pass to Jesse James, uh, caught the ball. He turned around. Uh, he was right at the goal line. Um, he got the ball across the plane. His his leg was down uh, at the one-yard line, but he did extend the ball uh, past the goal line and, and into the end zone. However, uh, they reviewed the catch really for about five or six minutes. And they determined that he did not survive the fall to the ground. And if you look at it, when he goes down and the ball is, like, directly on his chest, he's it's, like, sticking out right at the top of his jersey. It bobbles ever so slightly, but it's just barely of a bobble. And because he did not establish he – did, he did not survive the fall to the ground, the ball did not, they ruled it an incomplete pa- uh, pass – and then they put the Steelers back, and then two plays later, uh, Ben Roethlisberger throws what would be the game-stealing interception as the Patriots had just a couple seconds left on the clock. No matter what the NFL rules say, my my belief is he should have been down at the one-yard line. I know some people will disagree with that because the ball technically crossed the plane, but if we're looking at the NFL rulebook, the referees, the, a lot of Steelers fans have been very quick to come at the referees, but according to the current NFL rules, the referees made the right call. Whether or not that should be the call in an NFL game, I completely disagree with. I think the catch rules are bogus, and I think the Steelers got cheated out of a win here. Um, but that technically is the rule, and if, and if we're calling it according to the NFL standards now, it was not a catch, although in any other league or any other level, that is most, most definitely a catch. Thoughts on this, because this call and the outcome of this game is probably gonna end up, really determining the the picture of the AFC playoffs. This game gave the Patriots the the number one seed in the AFC as the Steelers slipped down to number two. And if we're looking at remaining schedules here, the Patriots play the Bills and the Dolphins, and the Steelers play the Texans and the Browns. So two, two schedules, one team, the Steelers has to play one division opponent that hasn't won a game yet. The Patriots have to play two division opponents who play them very well usually. So I do think the Steelers have a better chance of winning out than the Patriots do. Um but still we're talking about the patriots here one of the most consistent franchises in the NFL chris and then joe here thoughts on this call that not only changed the outcome of this game but is probably going to change the rest of of the of the regular season and how the playoffs shape up
1: this is one of those plays in football where i'm frustrated that we have to have this conversation Every single year. I mean, first it was Des Bryant in Green Bay, and it was Calvin Johnson uh, against the Bears, and we've had this conversation over and over and over again. We know what the rule is at this point in the letter of the law; it's the correct call, and the Steelers lose. The spirit of the rule, I don't know. It's rough when everyone in the entire stadium thinks the Steelers got a touchdown. And then everyone in the stadium's like, okay, well, what do we even think about this when the actual call is made? I think that's a problem. Um, You know, I I don't know what you have to do to make a catch anymore. So it's by the letter of the law, yes, it's correct. Um, But I was making a joke all day that the refs usually give the Patriots the game and the refs usually give the Steelers the game. So they're sitting in that review and they're asking themselves, what do we do? Because we usually just hand it to the other team. Um, I don't want to hear the, uh, the Steelers whine that the refs are against them, the refs are against them, because I feel like they get so many calls. And remember, San Antonio Holmes balled it across the plane. The Steelers are the only team in the NFL who scored a touchdown on the one yard line before. So, and they did it against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl because Ben's knee was definitely down and he moved the ball. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time with the whole, the Steelers got screwed and, well, who had it? Who hasn't gotten screwed at some point in some game? Um, and I feel like they get it far less. But the role needs to be changed. The problem is it's a slippery slope in the sense that if you change that role, then what becomes a- allowed? Because I-, I think you do need to maintain control of it. But when it's one of those plays where there's really little doubt and it looks to the eye test, I think it should be a touchdown. Yeah, I think it should have been touchdown, too. But, Jake, you hit the nail on
2: the head in today's NFL with those rules that's not a catch i don't care how many steelers fans want to complain and i completely agree that the rules should be changed and i don't agree it's a catch but the rest absolutely got it right in the rules of the nfl which are shitty and it shouldn't be how it is but jesse james did not complete the catch it's completely different from when a runner crosses a plane with the ball then it's automatically a touchdown but a receiver has to maintain possession all the way to the catch we saw it with jazz like chris said thing that bothers me is this call this same call has been called so inconsistently this season when brandon cooks had that game-winning touchdown against the texans earlier this year he did not maintain possession of the ball and that should have been an incomplete pass so i'm not mad at them obviously i'm not mad at the Steelers losing in the first place that does not bother me one bit but the referees if they're going to call it right like they did they need to call it so consistently but you can't use the word consistent and nfl in the same sentence because that's just they this never true but um yeah, it's just it's crappy. I mean, the Steelers lost in the worst way possible, but the refs did not um, make the Steelers guard Rob Gronkowski one-on-one the entire game when he drive the Patriots went down the field, and the refs did not stop Ben Roethlisberger from doing a fake spike and throwing an interception. So, I mean, there's excuses, and should they have won, yes, but I mean it's one of those ones where they made the same mistakes the Ravens did the game before, and I don't know how as a defensive coordinator you ever leave Rob Gronkowski. One on one, because no defender in the entire NFL can guard him, and we saw what happened. If you watch a two point play where Sean Davis tried to cover him, Gronkowski literally bodied him, caught the two point conversion, and laughed in his face. Like it was so easy. And Tom Brady just kept going back and back to him. So it's literally like watching Brandon Carr try to guard Antonio Brown all over again. It's like maybe, I think DP's might have actually been on the sidelines during that game because <laughs> there were no in game adjustments. It makes no absolute doesn't make any sense to me. But Steelers got screwed, but they should have. They had plenty of chances to win the game,
1: and they didn't. Hey, guys, I got a question for you. Did you see the Raiders-Cowboys game? Yes, that was all. The the piece of paper, the double-folded piece of paper. This is a weird week at the NFL.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The NFL really overcomplicating what is and what is not a catch And There are a lot of Steelers fans that are not happy, not only with with, uh, how the game ended, but also the fact that Rob Gronkowski only received a one-game suspension and the difference he made in the game – Again, that's their own fault for not making sure that he was guarded better, but I think I can speak for all of us. If we were in this the same situation as the Steelers and the same thing happened to us, we'd be up in arms and furious as well. Uh, but they're going to have to revisit the uh, catch rules, and I don't know how the, the process is going to go about making it simpler than what it is now, but it certainly needs to be revisited because we've seen this too many times and the consistency is just not there. So moving on now, of course, the Ravens have two home games to wrap up the regular season. The first coming this Saturday, December 23rd, against the Colts at 430. Yet again, facing another backup quarterback at home in Jacoby Brissett, who this season has a 59.6 completion percentage with 11 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and 8 fumbles lost. So actually has more fumbles lost than uh, interceptions, but he can run. The Colts rank at the bottom of the NFL, both on offense and defense. They rank 31st in total offense and 30th in defense. I'm picking the Ravens big here, 30-13. to 13. I really do like the fact that there aren't any uh, other games happening while this game is going on. I like the fact that it's on a Saturday. Yeah, the Colts are going to have two or three more nights of rest than the Ravens did. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, another backup quarterback coming in here and Really, the Ravens, technically in the AFC playoff picture right now, the Bills are the number six seed, owning the tiebreaker over the Ravens if the season ended today, but the Bills, looking at their remaining schedule, while the Ravens have two home games against two opponents that combined have eight wins, just like the Ravens have by themselves, the Bills play at New England and at Miami, Uh, so those are very two hard games there, very hard to imagine the Bills picking up two wins there. So I'm picking the Ravens with no scoreboard watching, no distractions, all the focus on winning this game and getting out of M.T. Bank Stadium in time to celebrate Christmas Eve. I'm picking the big 30-13. to 13. We'll go to Joe and then Chris. Where are you guys on this game? Yeah, this should be a game the Ravens absolutely win. I'll go
2: 35-17. I think it will be a good home crowd on Saturday. Uh, the Colts, doesn't matter if they have extra day's rest because they are completely decimated with injuries. I just put uh, John Boxing, the leading tackler and linebacker, on injured reserve and center, Ryan Kelly on injured reserve. They have so many players out. The only player that really scares me is T.Y. Hilton, but honestly hasn't had that big of a season, had kind of off and on um, just kind of streaky games so far. So we another backup quarterback. I mean, he was a third string quarterback behind Brady and Garoppolo for a reason. I mean, he's, I mean, sure he's an okay substitute for Andrew Luck, but he's not going to be a starting quarterback anywhere else in the NFL. On the road to Chuck Pagano coming back, his, um, job on the hot seat. I mean, I I think the Ravens should absolutely handle this game. There's no reason that they shouldn't, Um, even with Macklin and Davis dealing with some injuries. Even um, with a short day rest, Collins should be fine. Should see another good offensive performance with, like you said, how bad the Colts have been on defense this year, and hopefully they can get some turnovers on Brissette, because he's in a turnover machine, too. So, we'll go 35-17, and Ravens even have a shot for the um, 5-seed, too. The Titans have dropped a couple games. They're now 8-6, and and play home against the Rams. And then um, home against the Jaguars, which are two games they could—they're pr- probably going to lose. So I mean, we can't even count out the five c right now. So that'd be very interesting if the Ravens could
1: put themselves in that position by continue to win. I'll give you a bold prediction: Ravens get their fifth shutout of the season. Ravens win twenty-four to nothing. I, I think this is a pretty easy game. I think they're at home. I think that it's got the holiday excitement and the fact that you win this game. You're in the playoffs, and I'm saying that because the Bills tiebreaker situation, if we win this game, we have the common opponent tiebreaker, and then even if the Bills tied with the Ravens, the Ravens win. So this is pretty much a win and get in. It's not official get in, but it's as close as you can get to not clinching. So I think the motivation's going to be there, and I think the Ravens are going to whoop the Colts. I think Jacoby Brissett will have turnovers – I think it's going to look a lot like the last game. I think it's just a little cleaner on defense. No big runs, no big plays for T.Y. Hilton. I think this is going to be a dominant game, and I think this is going to be a fun one to write about.
0: Absolutely. Can't, Can't disagree with you with any of what you guys just said. Certainly, we are all picking the Ravens to beat the Colts this Sunday and help their playoff chances. So, once again, this is the Ebony Bird Podcast. Again, you can find me on Twitter, contributor Jake McDonald at McDonald 95 Chris is at footballman58, and Joe is at Joe Schiller with two R's. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ebony underscore bird, as well as subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. And, of course, get that app from the App Store so you can access our work not only on your computer but on your mobile device as well. You can also visit the website on our computer, but it's easier to just have the app there uh, as, as well. So for Joe and Chris, I'll say goodnight. And next week, uh, we'll be coming to you after not only the Ravens game, but uh, the Christmas and holiday season as well in between Christmas and New Year's. So we certainly want to wish you a Merry Christmas, or if you don't celebrate Christmas, a happy holiday. Enjoy the time uh, with family and friends and the fo- uh, football, which is coming to you not only on Saturday, but on Christmas Eve and on Christmas as well. So again, for Joe and Chris, I'm Jake McDonald. We'll see you next time on the Ebony Bird Podcast after hopefully another Ravens win.